How long does it take you to memorize your lesson on average? One hour? One or two hours? Twenty minutes? I think personally that if you are able to pronounce the words like the Arabic easily, then that will really speed up your memorization of your lesson. And for that, I highly recommend that you do your tajweed homework. If you do your tajweed homework, believe me, your memorization will really speed up. Because it takes us long because we get stuck at the words. We're not able to pronounce the words easily and properly. That's one of the factors. I'm not saying that's the only factor, but that's one of them. So remember that this course is designed such that each subject complements the other. If you leave one, if you ignore one, it will affect your performance in the other subject. If you think, for example, that I came here just to know the meanings of the Qur'an, not to gain perfection in my tajweed, no. If you don't improve your tajweed, you will not be able to understand the meanings of the Qur'an either. Because what's the first thing? To read. Iqra. Isn't it? And if you are not able to read, then how will you be able to remember? The first step is reading, recitation. So remember that whatever homework is given to you, take it seriously. Whether it is your tajweed homework, or it is your word-to-word homework, or it is reviewing your notes, or anything that is given to you, take it seriously. One more thing that I noticed, not everybody does their lesson seven times. You should tell me, why is it that you don't do your lesson seven times? What's the reason? Because I see that, mashallah, so many of you are young. You don't have any husbands, you don't have any children, you don't have you know, in-laws to look after. I mean, I'm sure some of you do, but not everybody. And especially those of you who are young, take advantage of the time that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given you. What's the reason? You got lazy. So can you make the dua? Allahumma inni a'udhu bika min al-ajzi wal-kasali. Make the dua that, Oh Allah, I seek a refuge from ajzi wal-kasali, from inability. This is from shaitan. You might think that, Oh, I did the lesson three times and I know it so well. Why bother seven times? You know why? You know it right now, tomorrow you'll forget. You know it right now, next week you'll forget. If you do it seven times, chances of retaining it are much more. I'm not saying you just memorize it now and you'll remember it forever. No. If you don't keep revising, you will forget. However, if you do your homework seven times, believe me, you will remember it for a much, much longer period of time. Another reason, you're busy with work. Do you think you can look over your schedule and see if you can take out maybe 15 extra minutes for this? Because if you keep thinking, yeah, whenever I find the time, then I will do it. Then you know what? You will never find the time. You have to block the time from your day, from your night for this lesson. You have to. Because otherwise you will not be able to do it. Like for example, when it comes to salah, if it was left to us, whenever you have the ability, whenever you have free time, then pray. Do you think we would ever pray? Hardly. But when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has fixed the time, fajr, you have to get up and pray. No matter how tired you are, no matter how sleepy you are, do you end up praying? Yes. Similarly, maghrib time. It's time to clear up the kitchen. It's time to put your kids to bed. It's time to perhaps go out or go see someone or talk to someone on the phone. But it's maghrib time. Do you not make time to pray? Yes, you do. Why? Because the time is fixed. Similarly, to all of you, I highly recommend that you fix a time for your homework. Especially because you come here only on the weekends. During the week, you have other things to do. So you have to fix the time. Personally, myself also, 
I have fixed a time for myself to prepare for the class. If I don't prepare for the class at that time, I'm not able to prepare. So fix a time. Any other reason? It's possible that a person feels overwhelmed by the amount of the work. Oh my God, seven times. And because of that, you give up. The thing is that the more you do it, the easier it will become. If you don't do it, it will not become easy. And this course is designed such that gradually the length of the lessons, it increases. Like for example, you may have noticed the first day we did only a little bit. The next day again, we did only a little bit. But over time, it's half a page, one page. The length is increasing. Why? Because we build up gradually. So remember that if you don't do it, it will not become easier. And you can write this down if you want. That if you don't do your lesson seven times, you will not be successful in this course. I'm telling you. You come here on the weekends. You sacrifice your weekends. You take time out, you know, that you could spend doing other things. If you don't do it properly, then you won't get 100% out of it. If you really want this effort to be worth something, then you have to do the homework as well. And to overcome this feeling of getting overwhelmed, what you can do is divide the homework. You have a whole week in the middle. What you can do is divide it. Like for example, on Monday, I have to do the lesson three times. On Tuesday, I have to do it two times. On Wednesday, I have to do it this many times. Divide it over the week. You have so many days to do it. If you divide it, A, the advantages are constantly are connected with the Qur'an, and B, the homework will not be too much for you. It's difficult to sit for two hours in a row and do your homework, but it's easier to take 15 minutes out one day. So do something or the other to make sure that you're actually doing your homework. All right? أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم In Surah Al-Fatiha, we make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. اهدنا الصراط المستقيم O Allah, show us the right path. Lead us to the straight path. And that is of who? Those people whom Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has blessed. Meaning those who have received the pleasure of Allah. Those people who are successful. And in Surah Al-Baqarah, right in the beginning, we learned that this book is the book of guidance. ذَلِكَ الْكِتَابُ لَا رَيْبَ فِي It is a guidance. We ask Allah for guidance. Allah gives us the guidance. But who will take benefit from that guidance? المتقين. Those who have taqwa. Those who do something. Those who fear Allah. And who does not gain guidance from this book? الكافرين. The disbelievers. And who else? المنافقين. The hypocrites. So after making it very clear who is in receipt of guidance and who is not in receipt of guidance, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala now invites all of mankind, every single human being, every single person. He calls them to what? To His worship. That, O people, worship your Lord. All people are included in this. All of mankind, whether it is men or women, young or old, whether it is people who live in Africa or people who live in Canada, whether it is people who are highly successful in worldly terms or people who are not that successful in worldly terms, people who are healthy and people who are sick, people who are educated and people who are uneducated, all sorts of people, all kinds of people, every single human being is being invited over here. So let's look at these verses. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, يَا أَيُّهَا النَّاسِ O mankind, 
O people. The word ya ayyuha is harf nida. Harf nida. And nida is to call out to someone. If you think about it, when you have to say something to someone, you can say it directly, or you can say something to get their attention. For example, if I were to say to you, please pick this up and put it away. Okay. But when I say, oh, then what does it mean? What I'm calling you to is something very, very important. It's very, very important. This is why I'm addressing you. I'm calling out to you. I want your full attention. So, yeah, ayyuhannas. Oh, mankind. Oh, people. And remember that the word annas includes all people. All ages, all backgrounds, all races, all places, all times. Ya ayyuhannas. No human being is exempt from this. Whether he's a believer or a non-believer. Whether he's a person who has sincere faith or a person who is a hypocrite. Anas includes all of mankind. It includes you and I. Every single one of us. Our families, our friends. What does Allah say? Ya ayyuhannas u'budu rabbakum. All of you should worship your Lord. U'budu is from the root letters Ain Badal. Same root as Iyaka Na'budu. And what's the main word? Ibadah. And what does Ibadah mean? Worship. But what is worship in Arabic language? What is Ibadah? Is it just performing ritual worship? No. Ibadah is to humble oneself before someone in obedience. Why? Out of love, out of respect, out of adoration. That when they command you to do something, you do it. When they tell you not to do something, you stay away from it. Why? Because you love them. Why? Because you are afraid of them. Why? Because you have respect for their commands. So when we are told, worship your Lord, what does it mean? Just perform the rituals? No. It means... Do whatever your Lord commands you to do. And do it with love. Do it with willingness. Do it with respect. And remember that the word abd is also from the same root. And abd is who? A slave, a servant. What does a servant do? He's always obedient to his master. Whether he's tired or he's not. Whether he wants to obey or he doesn't want to obey. He's always obedient. So, u'budu, all of you should become slaves to who? Rabbakum, your Lord. Don't become a slave to your desire. Don't become a slave to the society. Don't become a slave to a person. You should be a slave to who? Rabbakum, your Lord. And who is Rabb? The Khaliq, the Malik, and the Mudabbir. Rabbakum, the one who has created you, the one who owns you, and the one who provides you, the one who makes you grow, the one who manages all of your affairs. He is the one whom you should be a slave to. Because He created you. He owns you. Why should you be a slave to someone who hasn't created you, who doesn't own you, who doesn't have any power or authority over you? You should give credit where credit is due. Worship the one who deserves worship. And who is it that deserves worship? Rabbakum, your Lord. 
Who is your Lord? الَّذِي خَلَقَكُمْ The one who has created you. خَلَقَ خَا لَامْ قَافْ خَلْق And خَلْق is to create something. To bring something into existence. Something that was not there before. It did not exist. You bring it into existence. This is what خَلْق is. Allah, your Lord, is the one who has created you. You were nothing. He brought you into existence. It's because of Him that you are alive. It's because of Him that you are something. It's because of Him that you have a name. It's because of Him that you are what you are. الَّذِي خَلَقَكُمْ If He didn't create you, you would have been nothing. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Al-Insan, ayah number one, هَلْ أَتَى عَلَى الْإِنسَانِ حِينٌ مِنَ الدَّهْرِ لَمْ يَكُنْ شَيْئًا مَذْكُورًا Has there not passed upon the human being a time when he was nothing that is mentioned? Where were you a hundred years ago? Did you have a name? Did you have a birth certificate? Did you have a passport? Did you have a license? Did your parents know you? No. Where were you? You were nothing. Who brought you into being? Your Lord. الَّذِي خَلَقَكُمْ This is why you should worship Him. And He didn't just create you, but He also created وَالَّذِينَ And those people who مِنْ قَبْلِكُمْ Who were before you. قَبْل is from the root letters قَافْ بَا لَامْ He created you and He also created the people before you. What does it mean by this? The people before you. Meaning all of the people of the past who existed, who lived, in this world before you. From the time of Adam a.s. Adam a.s. the first human being. All the way until today. Every single person who came in this world. Who created him? Who created her? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَالَّذِينَ مِنْ قَبْلِكُمْ And He is the creator of those people who came before you. This is why you should worship Him. Why should you worship Him? Okay, first of all, He is the creator. But why should you worship? Allah gives us the reason. لَعَلَّكُمْ تَتَّقُونَ لَعَلَّ This word لَعَلَّ It gives a meaning of hope. It gives a meaning of an expected consequence. Expected result. Do this so that such and such may happen. And لَعَلَّ sometimes also gives a meaning of reason. That why should you do this? So that such will happen. So why should you worship Allah? What's the illah? What's the reason? So that tattaqoon, you all can have taqwa. And what is taqwa? Tattaqoon, what's the root? Wawqaf, yeah. Wiqayah. And wiqayah is to take a shield, to protect yourself. What does it mean? That you may protect yourselves. Protect yourselves from what? From the hellfire. From the punishment of Allah in the hereafter. And in this dunya, What's the benefit? لَعَلَّكُمْ تَتَّقُونَ So that you may have taqwa, meaning you become conscious. We all learned about muttaqeen earlier. Hudal للمتقين And we learn about the importance of taqwa. If a person does not have taqwa, he cannot attain guidance from this book of Allah. So worship Allah so that you can have taqwa. So that you can become righteous. Many people want to be good. People say, I really want to become better. I want to improve. I want to become righteous. What's the way to become righteous?
worship your Lord. The one who created you and those before you so that you can adopt taqwa. And why is it important to adopt taqwa? Because without taqwa, a person cannot be successful. Because Jannah, paradise, who has it been made for? Which people? Those people who have taqwa. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Ali Imran, Ayah 133, Jannah is prepared for who? Those people who have taqwa. Not those people who do not have taqwa. Similarly, we see that if a person has taqwa, then only he will have the help of Allah, the assistance of Allah. Allah says in Surah An-Nahl, Ayah 128, Allah is with those people who have taqwa. Meaning His help is with those people who have taqwa. So if you worship Allah, you will have taqwa. When you have taqwa, Allah will help you. You want Allah's help, do ibadah. You want His assistance, you want things to become easier, have taqwa. The key to that, ibadah. So, u'budu rabbakum, why? لَعَلَّكُمْ تَتَّقُونَ So that you can save yourselves. What do we learn in this ayah? We learn about the reasons for worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Before that, do we learn about the importance of worshipping Allah? Yes? How? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala addresses all of mankind and He says, Ya أَيُّهَا nas." What does it show to us? The importance of ibadah. Because Allah is first of all using حَرْفْ nida, which is to alert the listener, to grab their attention. And secondly, He's addressing all of mankind, which shows that ibadah is necessary for who? All of mankind. Why? Because this is the very purpose for which we were created. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us in Surah Al-Dhariyat, Ayah 56, that وَمَا خَلَقْتُ الْجِنَّ وَالْإِنسِ إِلَّا لِيَعْبُدُونَ I have not created men and jinn except that they should worship me. So when Allah says, Ya ayyuhan nas, what does it show? Importance of ibadah. And this is such an important goal that this is the very purpose for which you and I were created. We are here not so that we can have a very great degree and so that we can have a very big house and we can have a happy family. No. We are here in this world to worship Allah. This is why we were created. This is why Allah says, Ya ayyuhan nas, u'budu rabbakum. Because if you do not fulfill the purpose for which you were created, then you are useless. If you have a pen which writes wonderfully, which has the capacity to write a lot, and you can use it, but if you don't use it, you just close it and leave it in your pencil case, in your drawer, and you don't open that drawer, you don't open that pencil case, you don't use that pen, what good is that pen? Is it of any use to you? No. Even if you bought it for a lot of money, it's of no use to you because you're not writing anything with it. And if it's sitting there in your drawer, occupying that space, it's only clutter. It's only a burden. Similarly, we as human beings, what is our purpose? To worship Allah. And if we don't worship Allah, then what are we? Useless. Garbage. This is why in the hereafter, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has two destinations, either paradise or hellfire. Those who fulfill their purpose, who do something, where do they go? Paradise. And those who don't fulfill their purpose, what are they? Garbage. And where does garbage go? It's to be burnt up. It's to be finished. It's to be thrown in a dump, never to be looked at again.
And this will be the fate of those who do not worship Allah. Their fate is what? Hellfire. Where they will not be looked at even. No mercy will come to them. Because they're worthless, useless. So if you want to be worth something, then fulfill the purpose of your life. Worship your Lord. أُعْبُدُوا رَبَّكُمْ Another very important lesson that we learn from this ayah is the way to taqwa. The way to success. The way to become righteous. And what is that? The worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If we want to become more conscious of Allah, in the sense that in every situation, we remember what Allah wants us to do. And we do it. And we remember what Allah does not want us to do, and we avoid it. Because it happens sometimes, right? That you are in a situation where you're upset with someone and you say such harsh words to them and later on you regret like, what was I thinking? I know that I'm not supposed to say harsh words, but what was I thinking? What's the reason? You don't have taqwa. Why don't you have taqwa? There is lack of ibadah. Because increase in ibadah will only increase in taqwa. You understand? Increase in ibadah will lead to increase in taqwa. There is ibadah, there is taqwa. There is no ibadah, there is no taqwa. Both are deeply connected with one another. Another very important lesson that we learn in this ayah is the obligation of ibadah. That ibadah is an obligation on us. Why? Because Allah is commanding us, u'budu. And you learn that u'budu is fair al-amr. It's a command, it's an imperative. When somebody gives us a command, do we have any choice? No. Especially if the command is coming from Allah. Do we have any choice? No. We don't have a choice. So if Allah is telling us, U'budu, it means it's an obligation on us. And remember that there are two types of ibadah. One type of ibadah is specific worship. Specific worship means performing acts of worship such as salah, similarly recitation of the Qur'an, making dua, going for hajj, fasting in the month of Ramadan, giving the zakat, all of this is what? Ritual worship. And this is something that we have to do. We don't do it according to our own self-invented ways, but we do it according to how Allah has taught us. The second type of ibadah is general worship. What is general worship? Every word and action that Allah likes. And that leads us closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Any word, any action that Allah likes, it leads us closer to Allah. Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah, he was asked about ibadah, that what is ibadah? And he responded that al-ibadatu hiya ismun jami'un likulli ma yuhibbuhu Allahu wa yardahu min al-aqwal wal-a'mal al-batina wal-zahirah. That the word ibadah is a comprehensive term which includes everything that Allah likes and He approves of. What does it include? Everything that Allah likes and He approves of. Two things. He likes and approves of. And what is it that Allah likes and approves of? Which things in particular? Min al-aqwal. Statements. Words. And secondly, actions. A'mal. So any word, any action. Allah likes, He approves of. Whether this word and action is apparent or it is hidden. Apparent meaning you're doing it with your limbs in front of other people. And hidden as in you're doing it in your heart, such as remembering Allah. This is why he said that ibadah includes salah, it includes siyam, it includes hajj, 
But it also includes sidq, truthfulness in speech. It also includes trustworthiness, fulfilling promises, being honest, being kind to one's parents. It also includes maintaining ties of relationship, being good towards other people, giving in charity, reciting the Qur'an, making dua, remembering Allah, being good to your neighbor, smiling at someone. What is ibadah? Just going to the masjid and praying salah? What does ibadah include? Any action, any word that Allah likes, that He approves of. Good manners, being just, removing harmful objects from the way, so that other people don't get hurt. Helping other people, taking care of the orphan, taking care of the weak, taking care of the needy, feeding the hungry people, building a masjid, constant dhikr of Allah, saying salam to those who you know and those who you do not know. Being in the company of good people, doing tawbah, istighfar, repentance, loving for someone else what you love for yourself. What about patience? Is that ibadah? It is. How about gratitude? Being grateful to Allah. Is that ibadah? Yes, it is. Having positive thoughts about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Being hopeful of Allah. Is that ibadah? Yes, it is. Forgiving your brother. Is that ibadah? Yes. Teaching something good. Is that ibadah? Yes, it is. Being thankful for everything you have to your parents, to your family. Being obedient to your parents without being angry. Not littering, saving water, keeping promises, visiting someone who is sick, being generous, going to janazah, being content, being satisfied with whatever Allah decrees for us. It could be something that is apparently negative, apparently harmful, apparently something that we do not like. However, there is good in it. We see that it includes apparent as well as hidden actions. It includes words as well as physical actions. Intention is also a kind of an action. Why? Because it's the action of the heart. When we talk about actions, it means the actions of the heart as well as the actions of the limbs as well as the actions of the tongue which is words. So there are many, many examples and I want you to list them inshallah for your tomorrow's homework. So in your groups tomorrow, discuss the different types of worship that we can do. أُعْبُدُوا رَبَّكُمْ Worship your Lord. We see that worshiping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is an obligation on us. And this means that we worship Allah in the way that He has commanded us, which includes specific worship, but also general worship. That is also something that we must do. Then, what's the reason? Why is it that we should worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Because He is our Lord, the Creator. He is رَبَّكُمْ الَّذِي خَلَقَكُمْ And remember, that the one who makes something, the one who owns something, does he like it? For example, you bake a cake. Do you like it? Many times, you know what people do? If they make something that looks very nice, they'll take a picture of it. And they'll save it. And they'll show it to their friends. Look, yesterday I made this. Did you bring me a piece? No, no, it's all finished. It was so good. When you make something yourself, when you own something, you like it a lot. You want the best for it. You take care of it. You preserve it. You may have seen, for example, your parents have saved your artwork from kindergarten. 
And every time you're going through your stuff, trying to figure out what you should throw, what you should keep, you look at it and you're like, maybe I should throw it. No, it's so nice. I should keep it. I'll show it to my kids. What we own, we like. We want the best for it. You could have a phone and you take a lot of care for it. You make sure that you don't touch it with cream on your hands. Huh? You don't touch it with greasy hands. You make sure that you put it out of reach of children. You make sure that it doesn't get scratched. You have a nice cover for it even. But if you give the same phone to somebody else, they might just play with it, toss it in their hands, and you're like, <gasps> with each toss, you know, your heart skips a beat. What if it drops and what if it gets scratched? Oh my God, her hands are sticky. Huh? You care for your things the way others don't care for your things. You love your things the way others don't love your things. Now think about it. Who made you? Allah. Who owns you? Allah. You think He doesn't care for you? You think He's not sincere to you? You think He won't want the best for you? He wants the best for you. This is why you should worship Him. When He commands you to do something, it is the best for you. When He tells you not to do something, it is not good for you. He will never give a command that is harmful for you. Remember that. When He gives us these commands, when He tells us to worship Allah, it's for our own benefit. So that we can get to Jannah. We can be successful. We can be happy. It's for our own good. This is how much Allah loves us. And all of us have heard that Allah loves His servants more than the love of 70 mothers. How much does a mother love her child? As a mother, can you ever quantify that love? You cannot. But imagine, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's love is much more than that. This is why worship Him. وَعْبُدُوا رَبَّكُمْ الَّذِي خَلَقَكُمْ وَالَّذِينَ مِنْ قَبْلِكُمْ لَعَلَّكُمْ تَتَّقُونَ Then we also learn in this ayah that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the only creator. There is no khaliq but Allah. There is no creator but Allah. How do we learn about that? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, الَّذِي خَلَقَكُمْ وَالَّذِينَ مِنْ قَبْلِكُمْ So the people of the past, the people of the present, the people who will come later, who is the creator of all of them? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. أَلَا لَهُ الْخَلْقُ وَالْأَمْرُ خَلْق is His, meaning it's only up to Him to create. No one else can create. For example, there are people who try to have children for years and years. But if Allah does not allow, if Allah does not command, can they have children? No. They can spend thousands and thousands of dollars. But they cannot have. On the other hand, there are people who are trying not to have children. But what happens? They have children. Khalq is whose command? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah khalq. Allah is the only khaliq. If Allah does not want, nothing can come into existence. Then we also learn in this ayah that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us, worship Allah so that you can have taqwa. What does it show? The importance of taqwa. The high rank of taqwa. The high level of taqwa. Which cannot be attained except with the worship of Allah. Taqwa cannot be attained except with the worship of Allah. Another lesson that we learn in this ayah is that when a person worships Allah, who benefits? The person himself. He is the sole person who benefits from the worship of Allah. 
Because Allah says, لَعَلَّكُمْ تَتَّقُونَ If you worship Allah, you will save yourselves in the dunya and you will save yourselves in the hereafter. You will become righteous. Without ibadah, you will not be able to do so. Allah does not need our worship in other words. Allah does not benefit from our worship. Why? If we don't worship Allah, the entire creation is worshiping Allah. وَإِمْ مِنْ شَيْءٍ إِلَّا يُسَبِّحُ بِحَمْدِهِ There is nothing except that it is glorifying Allah. We learn in the hadith that the heaven, the sky, it's creaking. Why? Because it's full of angels who are worshiping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If you and I don't worship, it doesn't matter to Allah. When we worship, who do we benefit? Ourselves. Because sometimes we're praying salah just to please our families. Or just because, you know, we have to. But remember that when you're praying salah, you're benefiting yourself. When you read Qur'an, you benefit yourself. Because when you recite, who gets the ajr? You. For every letter you read, you get 10 rewards. So who benefits? You benefit. So if you want more benefit, perform more ibadah. If you don't want a lot of benefit, then perform less ibadah. But then regret in the hereafter. So أُعْبُدُوا رَبَّكُمْ أَلَّذِي خَلَقَكُمْ وَالَّذِينَ مِنْ قَبْلِكُمْ Why? لَعَلَّكُمْ تَتَّقُونَ Another very important lesson that we learn over here is the importance of gaining knowledge. How? We have been commanded here to worship Allah. Can we worship Allah without knowing how to worship Allah? No. We can only do ibadah when we have ilm. Like for example, you are coming over here gaining knowledge. Why? So that you can know how to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Imam Bukhari in his book, Sahih al-Bukhari, he has a chapter which is titled, Al-ilmu qabl al-qawli wal-amali. Knowledge comes before words and actions. If you don't have knowledge, you don't have the right to speak. If you don't have knowledge, you cannot do anything. If you don't have knowledge, you cannot worship Allah. It's essential that we gain knowledge. Now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us more reasons as to why we should worship Him. Alladhi, He is the one who جَعَلَ لَكُمْ Who has made for you. Your Creator, the one who deserves your worship, the one who has created you, is the same one who has also created the earth. Ja'ala, he has made. Ja'ala is from the root letters jim, ayn, lam, ja'al. And ja'al is to make something. It's slightly different from khalq. Okay? So he has made for you al-arda, the earth. How has he made this earth? Firashan. What is firash? Firash is from the root letters fa, ra, sheen. And farasha is to level something. To pave something, to make it smooth. Like for example, something is very bumpy or it has lots of rocks in it. What do you do? You take out all the rocks. So it becomes nice and smooth and soft. And then you pave it, you level it, you make it smooth. This is what farasha is. And firash is that which has been paved. Like for example, a bed, a mattress, a cushion, soft, comfortable, smooth. It's not bumpy. It's not hard. It's comfortable. This is what firash is. So Allah has made the earth for you as a firash. What does it mean by this? He has made the earth for you as a bed. Meaning He has made the earth for you comfortable, habitable, that you can live in it with peace. You can live in it easily. Just imagine, if the earth was tough, rocky, everywhere, would it be possible for us to live? 
life would become extremely difficult. It's amazing that earth, soil, or sand, how is it? It's so soft. You can even walk barefoot. It's like a bed for you. You can rest in it peacefully. You can live in it. You can dwell in it in peace. And it's amazing that the earth is constantly moving. Constantly. But we don't feel the movement. We don't get tired. We don't feel dizzy. We don't feel nauseous because of the constant movement of the earth. Isn't that amazing? It's habitable. You can live on it easily. Life is not impossible for human beings over here. It is very much possible. In fact, it is the only place that we know where human life is possible. So, الَّذِي جَعْلَ لَكُمُ الْأَرْضَ فِرَاشًا وَالسَّمَاءَ And the sky. He has made it as a binaan, as a canopy. Bina is from the root letters ba, noon, ya. And bina is literally something that has been constructed, something that has been made. The word bina is also used for a building, a construction. But it can apply to an entire building or even a part of a building. Which is why the word bina is also used for ceiling, roof. Because it's a part of a building. It is also constructed. It is also made. So the sky, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made it as a canopy. What does it mean by this? That the sky is like a roof on you. What does the roof do? For example, this ceiling over here that we see, what is it doing? What's its function? It protects you from what? Heat, rain, wind. Anything that could harm you or affect your performance, affect your work, the ceiling protects you from that. So the sky, what does it protect us from? The different objects that are in space that could very easily fall down on the earth and destroy human life. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made the sky such, the atmosphere such, that it protects us against so many objects that are out there in space. Just imagine if all of them were falling on us constantly. One meteor, ten meteors, and what would happen? We'd be dead. We'd be finished. So He has made the sky as a canopy, as a ceiling above you. And notice the word bina'an. The word bina'an shows that the sky is very strong, solid, firm. For example, if you are in a place where the ceiling is not that strong, it's not that firm. Let's say it's only a sheet of cloth. What's going to happen with one gust of wind? It's going to fly off. But if it's solid, constructed, then it is firm, it will remain. Similarly, the sky is firm, solid. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah An-Naba, Ayah 12, وَبَنَيْنَا فَوْقَكُمْ سَبْعًا shidada, And Allah has constructed above you seven strong heavens. In Surah Al-Anbiya, Ayah 32, we learn, وَجَعَلْنَا السَّمَاءَ سَقْفًا مَحْفُوظًا And we have made the sky a protected ceiling. A ceiling that is protected in itself and it also protects you. وَالسَّمَاءَ بِنَاءَ وَأَنزَلَ And He has sent down. مِنَ السَّمَاءِ From the sky. أَنزَلَ From the root letters. So he has sent down from the sky. What has he sent down from the sky? Ma'an, water. What water is this? That comes in the form of rain, that comes in the form of snow, that comes in the form of hail, dew, so many different forms. So Allah has sent down from the sky water. And this water that comes down from the sky, as a result of it, فَأَخْرَجَ Akhraja kha ra jim khuruj khuruj is to come out akhraja he brought out he produced he took out 
bihi through it. Through what? He refers to water. The water that comes down from the sky, Allah produces by it what? Mina thamarat of the fruits. Fruits, not fruit, but fruits, different types. And these fruits, what are they? Rizqalakum as provision for you. If it did not rain, you would have no produce. If you had no produce, what would you eat? What would you eat? You would eat nothing. And you would die. So Allah who has created you, who has placed you in this earth, has created the means of your sustenance, has created the means of your protection, your well-being, with the earth as a bed, and the sky as a canopy, and the rain that falls down from the sky. Notice the words, فَأَخْرَجَ بِهِ مِنَ الثَّمَرَاتِ Samarat is a plural of ثَمَرَةِ and samara is fruit or the product of a process. What is samara literally? Product of a process. It doesn't just apply to fruits as in apples and oranges and grapes. No. It applies to anything that grows that is a result of what? A plant. For example, it includes vegetables. It includes grains. It includes fruits as well. It includes anything that we eat, that we benefit from, of produce. And notice the word, thamarat, it's plural. What does it show? Many different varieties. And what great quantities. Varieties as well as quantity. Two things are indicated by the word thamarat. It's amazing when you go to the grocery store, sometimes you wonder, what should I buy? Which vegetables should I buy? And which ones should I not buy? There's so much variety. And there's only in this part of the world. Every city, every country, every land has its own unique produce. Who has made all of this? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Why? Rizqan lakum. Rizqan, razaiqaf, as provision for you. If it wasn't for this, you wouldn't be alive. You wouldn't be able to live. Allah has sent down the means for your provision as well. When such is the case, then fala, then do not. Taj'alu, you all make. تَجْعَلُوا from the same root as جَعَلَ جِمْعَيْنْ لَامْ Do not set, do not make لِلَّهِ for Allah أَنْدَادًا equals partners وَأَنْتُمْ تَعْلَمُونَ While you all know. أَنْدَاد is a plural of نِدْ نُون دَال نِدْ From the root letters نُون دَال دَال And نِدْ is one who shares something with someone or one who is a peer of the other. Like for example, all of you are what? Classmates. So you come to the same class, what do you share amongst yourselves? The class. All of you come to the same class. All of you are peers. You are all at the same level. So this is who a nid is. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, فَلَا تَجْعَلُوا لِلَّهِ Do not set equals for Allah. Do not set partners for Allah. Meaning, don't worship others as you should worship Allah. Don't love others as you should love Allah. Don't fear others as you should fear Allah. Don't believe about others what you believe about Allah. What do we believe about Allah? That He is the only Creator. That He is the one who provides. That He is the one who answers prayers. That He is the one who gives life, gives death. He is the one who does whatever He wants to. Don't believe about others what you believe about Allah. 
No one, no one is at the level of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In Surah Al-Ikhlas, what do we learn? قُلْ هُوَ اللَّهُ أَحَدْ اللَّهُ الصَّمَدْ لَمْ يَلِدْ وَلَمْ يُولَدْ وَلَمْ يَكُلْ لَهُ كُفُوًا أَحَدْ There is no one, no one at all who is equal to him. Don't set equals to Allah. When he is the only one who created you, created those before you, when he is the only one who made the earth as a bed for you and the sky as a canopy for you, and when he is the only one who sends down rain from the sky for you, then why should you set partners with Allah? وَأَنْتُمْ تَعْلَمُونَ While you know that He is the only one who does what is mentioned over here. تَعْلَمُونَ From the root letters, عَيْنْ لَا عِلْمْ So when you know that Allah is the one who created, when you know that Allah is the raziq, then don't ascribe partners with Allah. Don't worship others. Only worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What do we learn in this ayah? First of all, we learn about the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and about His wisdom. His mercy and His wisdom. How? In the way that He has made the earth. Firashan. Bed. Comfortable. Habitable. We can live here. Imagine if the earth was tough, hard, solid, like plastic. Just imagine. Life would become impossible. It would be so, so difficult. There is great wisdom of Allah in this and there is great mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this. And also, in how He has made the sky, a canopy, a ceiling, something that protects us, something that is above of us. Then this ayah also shows to us the qudra of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the power of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. How? That Allah has created the sky as a construction. Just imagine the sky that is so vast, that is so huge, that covers the entire earth, anywhere you go on this earth, what will you find above you? The sky. It covers the entire earth with its spaciousness, with its vastness. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created it so strong that nothing can break it apart. Nothing can go across it. No matter how much we try to go through the skies, can we? We cannot. We are limited. We are prevented. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Ghafir, Ayah 57, لَخَلْقُ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ أَكْبَرُ مِنْ خَلْقِ النَّاسِ The creation of the heavens and the earth is greater than the creation of people. The creation of the sky, the creation of the earth is much greater. But who has done that? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah says in Surah Al-Nazi'at, Ayah 27-28, أَأَنْتُمْ أَشَدُّ خَلْقًا أَمِ السَّمَاءِ Are you mightier in creation or is it the sky? The sky is much more difficult to create. But Allah has banaha, He has constructed it. رَفَعَ سَمْكَهَا فَسَوَّاهَا He has raised its ceiling and He has also proportioned it. Similarly in Surah Al-Dhariyat, Ayah 47, we learn, وَالسَّمَاءَ بَنَيْنَاهَا بِأَيْدٍ وَإِنَّا لَمُوسِعُونَ And the heaven we constructed it with strength and we are expanding it. So the sky that is so powerful, that's so strong, solid, who has made it? Allah. What does it show to us? How powerful, how more mighty is the Creator, the Qudra of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We also learn in this ayah that Allah is the only one who causes rain to come down. وَأَنزَلَ مِنَ السَّمَاءِ مَاءً At the end Allah says, فَلَا تَجْعَلُوا لِلَّهِ أَنْدَادًا Why? Because He's the only one who sends down rain from the sky. If all of the people got together to cause rain to fall, if all of the people got together to create even one drop of water, would they be able to? No. 
This winter, all of you know, there has been very, very little snow. It's hardly been a winter. And we might think, oh wow, how nice. It was such an easy winter. It was so convenient. There are places in this country where they're fearing drought. That already the temperatures have increased so high. It's so hot already. And it's not raining like it usually does in spring. What's going to happen in the summer? What's going to happen within some time? If there is no rain, we cannot cause rain to fall. Who causes rain to fall? Only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And when He wants, it can come within seconds. Once in Medina, it hadn't rained for a very, very long time. And the Prophet ﷺ was standing on the mimbar, he was giving a khutbah. A Bedouin walked in, and he stood up, and he said, O Prophet ﷺ, I'm just summarizing, I'm just paraphrasing what he said, that pray to your Lord that He should send rain upon us, our animals have died, and we are hungry, and we are thirsty, and we don't have this, we don't have that. Because imagine, if there is no rain, there is nothing. You don't have produce, you don't have anything to feed yourself, you don't have anything to feed your animals, you don't have business, you don't have trade, you don't have income. How will you survive? It's the source of life. He requested the Prophet ﷺ, and the Prophet ﷺ, while he was still standing on the mimba, he raised up his hands and he said, Allahumma aghisna, Allahumma aghisna, that, oh Allah, send rain on us. And he hadn't even descended from the pulpit, that rain started falling. So much so, that there was water dripping from his beard. There was no sign, no sign of any cloud in the horizon before people got there. And when they were leaving, it was raining profusely. Who causes rain to fall? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Only He, none but Him. وَأَنزَلَ مِنَ السَّمَاءِ مَاءً And the fact is, if He withholds rain from us, then we are nothing. We will have no business, we will have no food, we will have no income, we will have no provision. Because what do we see? That water is the source of life for us. أَنزَلَ مِنَ السَّمَاءِ مَاءً فَأَخْرَجَ بِهِ مِنَ الثَّمَرَاتِ رِزْقًا لَكُمْ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Al-Waqi'ah, Ayah 68, 69, Have you seen this water that you drink? Is it you who bring it down from the rain clouds, or is it we who cause it to come down? It can be cloudy for days. We can have an overcast for days. But it will only rain when Allah wants. We can try our best, but... None of our efforts can make a difference over here. It's only the command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then we also learn in this ayah about the wisdom and the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and how He gives water to us. How does He give water to us? In the form of rain. Imagine if it did not rain. If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala caused the same amount of water that falls down from the sky to flow on the surface of the earth. The same amount of water that falls down from the sky, instead of that, it just flowing on the surface of the earth, how difficult life would become? If there was water flowing on the surface of the earth, as much and as often as it falls down from the sky, life would become very, very difficult. Very difficult. And many areas would be deprived of water. We would have to find ways to irrigate our lands. Whose blessing is it? Whose mercy is it? Whose wisdom is it? Whose power is it? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's only Allah who sends rain, and it's only Allah who causes water to come to us in this way. Another very important lesson that we learn in this ayah is about the power of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in how He has caused various types of produce to grow from the earth for us, for our benefit, through rain water. Just imagine, water is the same 
But what comes out of the earth is different. You have red apples and you have yellow apples and you have green apples. The same water. Similarly, we see that the earth, the land is dead, it's barren. Nothing is growing on it. As you may have seen in the past few weeks, land was completely dead, nothing on it. No blade of green even. And when rain falls down, immediately you see everything becomes green. It becomes lush. Allah says in Surah Al-Hajj, Ayah 63, أَلَمْ تَرَ أَنَّ اللَّهَ أَنزَلَ مِنَ السَّمَاءِ مَاءً فَتُصْبِحُ الْأَرْضُ مُخْضَرَّةِ Have you not seen that Allah is the one who sends down rain from the sky and then the earth becomes green? Who causes the earth to become green and lush and beautiful? Allah. And who causes all of these various varieties of foods that you eat? Who causes them to grow? It's amazing. When we're cooking one meal, we use so many different ingredients. For example, if you're making a stir-fry, you use so many different types of vegetables. But how often do we think how it grew, how it came here? We don't reflect on the food that we eat. This is why we're not grateful. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Abasa, ayah 24-32, that فَلْيَنظُرِ الْإِنسَانُ إِلَىٰ طَعَامِهِ Human being, man, he should see the food that he eats. He should look at it. He should reflect on it. So when you go have your lunch, don't just gobble it down. Look at it. Reflect on it. How did it get to you? That how we poured down water in torrents from the sky. He caused the rain to come down. Then we broke open the earth. فَأَنبَتْنَا فِيهَا حَبَّةً And then we caused to grow within it grain. وَعِنَبًا وَقَضْبًا And grapes and herbage. وَزَيْتُونًا وَنَخْلًا And olive and palm trees. وَحَدَائِكَ غُلْبًا And gardens of dense shrubbery. وَفَاكِهَةً وَأَبًا And fruits and grass. مَتَاعًا لَكُمْ وَلِأَنْعَامِكُمْ As provision for you and also for your animals. We eat so much, but we don't reflect on what we have. We don't think about the one who gave all of this to us. It's a huge blessing of Allah. And we should be grateful about it. So when we eat, reflect as well and be grateful to Allah. Then we also see that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has blessed all mankind with these blessings. All of mankind, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has blessed them with it. Whether people are believers or they are disbelievers. Whether they are obedient or they are disobedient. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has blessed all of them. This is why Allah says, فَلَا تَجْعَلُوا لِلَّهِ أَنْدَادًا when he is the only one who provides you, then do not worship others. Worship only Allah. Because He is the only one who deserves your worship. We will listen to the recitation of these verses. Ya ayyuhannas u'budu rabbakum alladhi khalaqakum walladhina min qablikum la'allakum tattaqoon. الذي جعل لكم الأرض فراشا والسماء بناء وأنزل وأنزل من السماء ماء فأخرج به من الثمرات رزقا لكم فلا تجعلوا لله أندادا وأنتم تعلمون. So why should we worship Allah? Because He is the only one who deserves worship. 
No one else deserves worship but Him. Why? Because He is the only Khaliq. No one is at His level. We should worship Allah because He is our Muhsin. He is the one who has done so much ihsan on us. If He did not create us, we would be nothing. If He did not provide us, we would be nothing. If He did not give us so much variety to enjoy, we wouldn't know what pleasure is. We wouldn't know what delight is. We should worship Allah because He has done many, many favors on us. He loves us the way no one loves us. He cares for us the way no one cares for us. He provides for us the way no one provides for us. He provided us with the perfect place to live in and He provided us with the provision as well which comes to us in the most perfect way. And then on top of that, He has made all of this for us, meaning He has blessed us the way He has not blessed any other creation. If you think about it in this ayah, what do we see? الَّذِي جَعَلَ لَكُمْ And then later on, رِزْقًا لَكُمْ We are the ones who benefit from the earth more than any other creation. So He has also honored us. He has also preferred us. When He has preferred and honored us, should we not prefer Him and honor Him? Should we not do the same? We live a life that Allah has given us. We use the body that Allah has made for us. We enjoy family that Allah gave us. We enjoy the earth that Allah created. We eat the food that Allah created. We breathe the air that Allah created. We drink the water that Allah created. We are nothing if Allah did not give us anything. So when we use everything that Allah gave us, we are here because Allah made us, then we should be for who? Allah. Then our lives should focus on who? Allah. Our efforts should be for whose sake? Allah. Our striving should be towards who? Allah. Because His ihsan upon us is the greatest. He deserves it. He deserves our worship. No one else deserves it but Him. We should worship Him because He has told us to. We don't have a choice. When He tells us to pray, it's not a choice, believe me. Don't think you have an option. You don't have an option. It's a command. Because we are servants, we are owned. The one who is owned, does he have a choice? No. Many times it happens. Children, they ask their parents, why should we do this? What do they say? Because I said so. That's good enough of a reason. So we should worship Allah. Why? Because Allah said so. Don't use this earth to get away from Him. Allah created all of this. Why? So that we get closer to Him. Not that we drift away from Him. Don't get so involved in it that you forget Him. No. Use this earth to come closer to Him. When you look at beauty, remember Allah. When you enjoy something, don't forget Him but be grateful to Him. I mean, look at the kindness of Allah, His mercy, His generosity, that He didn't just give us bland food to eat. He has provided us with so many varieties, so many different tastes and colors and textures and fragrances that we cannot even list. If He has been so kind to you, He deserves your worship. He deserves your sajda. He deserves your salah. Imagine the different types of spices, the different types of herbs, the different types of flavors, fruits, vegetables, different things. You can't even list them. And imagine all of this you experience where? On your small tongue. On your small tongue. Look at the favor of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
So when he has been so good to you in so many different ways, it's only fair that you worship him. It's only fair that you love him. It's only fair that you obey him. And if you don't, that's not fair. That's very ungrateful.